0: Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined here by my Hall of Fame co-host, Kevin Kernan. And this is our flagship show, Coaching Kernan. We've got a great episode today, episode 202. And this was actually a repeat guest, our very first guest on our network here when we started way back when a year ago. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring him on in a second. But before I do, I um, want to just read our audience a little note, and then we'll move to Kevin. But audience, we're up to almost 19,000 subscribers now. Want to thank you guys. Just continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. We battle the analytics of the podcast world, much like we do in baseball today. If you do that, we can keep providing you great content every week, like we do with all of our shows, specifically here on Coach and Kernan. We're on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I Hit one person live every day, and then get every back to everybody privately uh, later on in that day. Yesterday, I hit something on coaching criti- coaching and criticism and demanding and com- confronting athletes. So read that and give me your feedback on that. We're now in 72 countries, grassroots MLB front offices, and we're just trying to build a better baseball IQ out there. And our disclaimer, which was made up by our audience, as you begin listening to our shows, just prepare to embrace the, uncom- the, the uncomfortable truths about baseball, about life, as this program, like all others, has no time for the comfortable lies that may be spread out there. So we are going to hit you right between the eyes with this show. And I'll apologize in advance for my voice. We were talking weekend. I had to coach 16 basketball games this weekend at an AAU tournament. So I'm uh, I'm playing a little hurt this morning with my voice. But with that, Kevin, welcome back to, to the show here, your show. And I know you were away for a while visiting family and still put out some masterful pieces out there. I uh, want to know how your trip was and brag a little on your grandson out there
1: yeah great trip I had a lot of fun uh, a lot of hotels a lot of different places uh, got to see uh, you know went to everything from weddings to uh the grandkids to northern grandkids and got to see them all do you know typical stuff concerts uh recitals uh that's what's nice my, the, my one uh granddaughter is a great softball player really good very talented but also can play the flute so we got to see both ends of that, and um, and then uh, my grandson—he's he did real well with academia. They won their championship, so that was a fun night two nights ago, and a wedding as well. So couldn't ask for a better trip. I'm a little exhausted, but you know, coffee helps.
0: That's right, coffees and buckies, right?
1: Coffees Buc-ee's, and buckies, and buckies. Been to buckies many times. Last night was a madhouse buckies because it was pouring rain in South Carolina when we came through. Uh, Florence Bucky's, and uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Bucky's, but Bucky's is like going into another world, basically. And um, the, the the food is great; you can grab stuff for the car. But it is it is the definition of road trip madness. That's what I would say. Uh, there's nothing like Bucky's cleanest bathrooms. That's a, that's a big plus. <laughs> you know, uh, pulled pork is a big plus. Uh, brisket's a big plus. Uh, but you got to prepare yourself mentally to walk through those doors.
0: I still haven't made it there yet. I know I promised you I would, and I've got that on my my trip in a couple of weeks when we're in Charleston. So I'm going to. Uh, well,
1: you want to go on a rainy night because then everybody's soaking wet, and you get some great uh, you get some you get some great uh, smells as well as everything else that the
0: Bucky's <laughs> experience. There. I hope they're good ones. I hope they're good ones. Well, um, with that, I want to introduce our guest today was our very first guest on the network way back when we started 13 years as a uh, playing professional baseball played in five different countries before becoming a minor league manager, then a college coach, currently the skipper of IMG Academy coming off an undefeated season. Want to keep the preamble short because the content he's going to provide is tremendous. But with that, I want to introduce Dave Turgeon to the show. Dave, welcome back to the show.
2: It's good to be here, fellas. I appreciate you having me on and, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the show has grown. I mean, I was the lead off hitter of your show. Um, and the guests that you've had on since then have been absolutely powerful. Um, I've listened to about 90% of them and they all are full of gold nuggets, uh, and great stories. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: No, we're, we're excited to have you back. We think you're the gold standard out there and we appreciate you being with us this morning. Um, to, to kind of start off the show, I know you're coming off an undefeated season. IMG has a great reputation, not just in baseball, but, but in all their sports. It's a it's a tremendous culture for young athletes, student-athletes that want to test how good they can be. But you've turned that baseball program into something extra special down there. And undefeated is, obviously, you can't beat that. But I want you to talk about this, the special nugget that you have going on down there. And that's your culture. Um and if it's okay, I'd like to throw throw a word at you and then follow it with a, a kind of a baseball word and just kind of let you riff on it and, and tell us how you do it down there, if that's all right.
2: No, that's great. Um, you know,
0: yeah, go ahead. No, I was just say my, my, my first one is my favorite one I got from the first show you were on. Um, and, and the word I take away from your program is respect. Um, to, to yep. Talk about respect the rep. How important was that to your, your tremendous season this year?
2: So, you know, really, you know, when you – it's really foundational for, uh, for, for everything, you know, I mean, um, you know, if, if you're going to show, um, guys how to, how to work and how to play, um, what championship behavior looks like, the foundation of all of that really is respect. Right. And so, um, you know, we have a t-shirt respect the rep, um, and it just, it goes beyond that, but, at its base form respect, the rep is, you know, working with a purpose. The only way to acquire skills in this game is to really work consistently, but work with a purpose. Um, and so respecting your work and your craft is, is the foundation of of skill acquisition and, 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 and improvement. Right. Um, but beyond that, you know, today's, today's generation has a lot of noise out there. Um, there's a lot of stuff on social media, um, you know, and I think people think that just because stuff is put out on social media, it must be how it looks like. And I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with all of that. And, you know, I was brought into this game by some really good baseball men that that showed us how to work and how to respect each other. Uh, be a good teammate and respect your opponent. Um, you know, and, and, and even see, you respect the respect the opponent thing that, uh, you know, I remember. um oh playing for Buck Showalter and, you know, he was big on, you know, you know, not showing up, you know, your opponent. And, you know, he's taught the lesson of, man, let a, let a sleeping dog lie, you know. And, and um, but really the, the message there is respecting the game and respecting your opponent. And, you know, part of that culture thing you're talking about and the respect thing is is the dugout culture um you know what do you want your dugout to look like and you know watching television um you know even major league baseball some of these uh, regionals and super regionals that are going on you see a lot of different dugouts right and um you know there's some of them that stand out you know to me on what right looks like and and some that don't necessarily agree with um you know and not not for nothing but i also think it's a waste of energy and i think energy spikes in this game come back and bite you because you know if you're really focused on watching the game that requires a lot of uh you know mental energy you know as opposed to you know having the pom poms on and and just kind of going crazy and just misdirected energy and so part of our dugout culture you know, is teaching guys how to watch the game and gather intel in order to win moments, you know, in the box, positioning, on the mound, all of that stuff. And you can't do that unless you're watching the game, Um, you know, and it's not as simple as looking, um, you know, at an iPad uh, because iPad, all that stuff is, is great, but those are statistics and it's ancient history and it's not in the moment. You guys know as baseball guys, I mean, the game is played in the moment and the guy on the mound is, you know, whereas you got a scouting report that says he he does this, this, and this, his pitches this. Well, he might not have that that night. He might be going at it a different way. And the only way to realize that to make adjustments to th- things in game is to watch it, you know, and, and, and showing guys. And so I, I think one of the, the great things about our dugout, you know, and and Steve Fry, our pitching coach and Roger Cedeno, my bench coach, you know, really we're, we're talking the game and watching the game and showing them what to look for and having conversations. Um, so the energy is directed in a different way. doesn't mean it's not an intense dugout. It's just, it's a directed energy towards, you know, our opponent and, and we're trying to beat them. And so, um, that's why I just think, you know, more than, you know, just yeah, it's it's crazy to see some of the stuff going on. Um, but you know, for me, if I want my guys to be baseball players, they gotta know what they're looking at and and um, you know, the information is, is being told to you if you just watch the game. Yeah.
0: Give give an example, Dave. We have a young audience out there too, we're grassroots all the way to the front offices, as I mentioned in the the intro. Give an example of, you know, one or two things that Small conversations you would have with a player about adjustments in game to kind of give that dugout learning um, some uh, some tangible, a little bit of tangible to it.
2: Well, so it might be you know we just we were on defense and we just experienced a long inning, um, and you know our first our first hitter our first hitter goes one pitch one out, goes out of the zone at a at a bad pitch and pops it up. That's not a real mature at bat. Um, you know, we we uh, we don't want to have a quick inning. We're just we we're just on our feet for a long one. And so um, we, we want to make those guys, you know, earn it a little bit. And and so, you know, when he comes back to the dugout, you know, Rogers sits him down and says, hey, you know, in that situation, um, you know, you might want to just start off by taking a pitch. Number one, you get a chance to see what he's got. Number two, we just had a really long inning. And if it's a ball, go ahead and see another one. Um, make him throw a strike and, and extend the at bat, you know, and in the process of that, you're gathering intel on the guy. And so, you know, that, that's, that's one, um, you know, and it, and it might be this, you know, our pitcher, you know um, it, you know, and our pitchers and catchers, they, they call their own game and we guide them. And so, you know, if, if, you know, our pitcher, never doubles up on a secondary pitch a, a breaking ball or a changeup uh, and the hitters see trends even young hitters see trends it, he always follows up you know the soft pitch with a fastball right and so you 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 call the catcher and the pitcher over and say listen we got to double up at times sometimes you need to triple up but we got to start planting some seeds to not be predictable in that situation And, you know, at least to be able to show something in that in that scenario is going to really help us and get them off your heater. And so those are just two small things, but it's a never ending. There are teaching opportunities that come up on and on. And part of, you know, the hitting thing, and I love this, too, is, you know, when hitters come back and they have a mature at bat, they probably have seen some pitches. And, you know, they can start sharing Intel on the, on the pitcher, what's his stuff look like? What's the movement, you know, look like, you know, and, um, I love when our guys are just talking about what that guy has, right. Or, you know, he changes his arm slot on the breaking ball. You can see it a mile away. Hasn't thrown one for a strike. Let's just stay on the heater, challenge him to throw it for a strike. But when you hear those guys having real good conversations about the game and what is happening in real time, um, it, it makes me happy, man, because it's that's the game, you know. And it's not just out there playing; it's playing with, you know, playing with your head, not just your heart.
0: Yeah, I like that. I, uh, you know, part of your job as you know, as the leader of the the program, is to help these young men, and you're dealing with some talented young men to create expectations for themselves. They're they're they have to be an active part in that. And I think some of the the greatest love you can show a player is to confront and demand them uh, from them and never let that bar drop. Right. I often get you know, brought up to that with today's kids is today's kids different. I think parenting is different, but regardless, you're dealing with the, the kid. How do you balance that? And, and what are your thoughts on that confronting and demanding? How do you approach that?
2: You um, know, honestly, Dave, that, that goes back to relationships, right? And when you – when that those players know how much you care, right? And and this sounds really cliche and, and corny, but it's the absolute truth. Um, first of all, the good ones want to get coached up, they want the truth. Guys that want to be great, they want it, right? And so your packaging is and timing is big with that whole thing, and it 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 never stops, the accountability piece. But you gotta catch them doing it good as much as humanly possible. Um and so when those times happen, and they happen, you know, all the time, when you get a team pulling on the rope in the same direction, man, I, we had a couple of uh, really strong leaders, Stone Russell and Zion Rose, and they're also pro prospects, but their leadership was unbelievable at holding our guys accountable to the standards. You know, um, if a guy didn't get down the line or, um, you know, a guy was acting just not, not appropriately after maybe, uh, you know, on a bat or showed up a teammate, they called him out on it and, and they put out fires all the time. So when you have team accountability like that, man, it's it's awesome. But it never ends. And, and so, I mean, to the bitter end, I mean, I, we're coaching our butts off and holding guys accountable. I think in the last game we were up eight or nine to nothing. And, um, you know, I have a really talented young player on the team, who was a sophomore, and he hit a 440-foot home run to right field. Um, and he pimped it, and I pulled him. And, you know, and within 10 minutes, you know, in the 25th game, he's, he was, you know, apologetic and owned it. And, you know, and, the, and, and so the message was powerful, you know, to that room in that dugout. You play the game the right way. It doesn't matter you know? Um, and that was the 25th game of the year. And, um, you know, we, we hold them accountable as the standard, the commitment piece. We had a, you know, I had another kid that started 24 straight games, but missed a practice for some, some reason. And, um, you know, he didn't start in that game and, uh, you know, he, he was crushed, but he got it, you know? Um, you know, the team, the message of, the, of team and and commitment um, was was a strong one. And, you know, they don't think twice about it. And, and at the same time, when I have those conversations with guys, they're, you know, they, they accept it. They know I love them, but they also know I'm going to hold them accountable to a standard. And, you know, and after a while, you know, like I said, when you got players holding each other accountable to that, it's a really powerful thing. It's way more powerful than when the coach does it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And I think the, a great point that you made there that I want you to expound upon, it's easy to get the attention of kids when you get beat or you struggle. But when you're winning and having success, um, you, you, you went into it a little bit, but go deeper into that theory of don't accept in victory, which you wouldn't accept in defeat to kind of get that message to the kids out there.
2: Well, I I, I kind of put it this way too. I tell guys all the time, you know, winning is deodorant for some of the things that are going wrong, and it also breeds complacency and comfort when you're winning a lot. And and so you know you, you know you still continue to you know hunt the good stuff and and reward that and catch them doing good. You do that, uh, but you got to continue to hammer home the real stuff of what's going on out there. If it's non-championship behavior, you got to address it. I mean, we, uh, we had a game where, you know, we, we blew someone out on the road and and it was one of these games where just everything was kind of click. Everything was clicking this day and I don't care who we played that day. It was, it was unbelievable. Like I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even see this, you know? And, um, because, you know, you, and it taught me, you know, you really can't put limitations on a team when when they believe and, and things are clicking. You can't put any limitations on a team. So we beat this team, you know, handedly, and and you know, and it was a road game on a Friday, and we had a nine a.m. practice on a Saturday. And so when we got back, um, you know, I got a message, you know, from the bus driver that you know we left the bus a mess. You know, in the back, and and you know, my seniors didn't take control of it because it was late at night, and they were all waking up, and they just got off the bus, and and so we ended up, you know, we ended up doing some uh, character work on Saturday morning, as opposed to working on our skills. We worked on our character. You know, we we did some running, and you know, that was after, you know, an amazing win, and I think the lesson too, you know, it it, it is, you know, if you're not going to stay humble and hungry you know, the coaching staff has to keep you there because you can't continue to perform if you're comfortable and, you know, uh, you know, and you're winning. And, and it's 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 a slippery slope, man. And, and that's when things get loose, um, you know, and it's important to recognize that they are kids and they'll, it'll slide, um, but you can't let it slide. And, and I think, you know, the message, you know, it was... <laughs> so my senior shortstop, Stone Russell, came up to me after he goes all I kept thinking was Miracle on Ice and 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 <laughs> Kurt Russell saying again again yeah <laughs> and so yeah i mean it's important man uh, you know it's important to keep working on that stuff um you know and and keep it building that that team thing and and uh, the standards and you know what right looks like and holding those guys to it you know no matter what and you know, i think it's important especially at this age and you know you're preparing them for the next thing i don't know you know these guys look they'll all most 99.9 percent of my guys if you want to play in college some will play in pro ball and you know who, who, are the, who i don't know who's going to play in the babies maybe zero you know but they'll be prepared for something because all the things that we're talking about right now are all transferable to to any any business or walk of life
0: yeah no, i agree I uh, And that's why I was so excited to have you on to kind of talk about the, the culture and respect that you've developed there. Got one more question I want to pass it on to Kevin. Um, you talked about loving your players, and I, I, love, I love that word. Um, I, I think it's, if you don't love your guys or your girls, whoever you're coaching, you shouldn't coach. And I do think that goes a long way when you're, you're demanding from them. There, there's a fine line right now that I think kids have a hard time with differentiating between coaching and criticism. How do you help a young man understand that?
2: Well, first of all, that, that's a process. And, and so, um, you know, and, and it's a teaching process. They're in their process of learning. And I think, you know, we spend a fair amount of time working on stuff in the classroom and, it, and it's not necessarily X's and O's. It's what those things are talking about and showing video of, you know, you know body language and, and, you know, guys receiving coaching um, you know, um, and, and so most of my guys love when you talk to them and say, you know, look, this guy, you know, um, uh, who's the quarterback, uh, hall of fame quarterback, uh, both of them were brothers. I can't think of his name right now. It's, it's escaping me, but he's a hall of fame quarterback just retired, you know, four or five years ago. And, and I show him videos of you know, that guy, you know, getting coached up hard, an elite world-class quarterback. And, and then, you know, having him have commentary on, you know, I, I want to be coached up. I want to be pushed. I want it. I want feedback. I want criticism. Um, I think criticism is a negative word when uh, it comes off as something personal. Um, you know, but when, when players know you love them and you know, they want to be great. I mean, you can, you can go as far as you want and it, you know, and, and, obviously it, it never gets disrespectful. Um, it's about helping him achieve his dreams. And, you know, you said you want to be great. We're here to help you be great. You know, and, and I think, Two is you know timing is important too when you talk about feedback. You know there are certain guys I wait. I might I might you know saddle up next to one BP have a conversation. You know um, you know I might uh, you know if I know he's an early guy I might be waiting for him in the dugout when he gets there to have that conversation. You know in a non threatening way in a relaxed atmosphere. Um, you know, I think the most that most, especially with young players, and, and again, you can talk this, this is about any players, not just young players, you know, it's it's about that environment you do it in, the timing when you do it, how you say it, and, and uh, you know, ask them questions, involve them in the conversation. Now, look, th- there might be, and, and when we're talking about their game and coaching up their game, you know, that's, that's easy right? When it comes down to behaviors and body language, um, sometimes for a young guy to own that is, it can be challenging, right? And, and so, you know, that's, again, it's it's timing and how you do it and where you do it. And, you know, message is going to get, you know, it's going to land if you know your player and you love your player. It's going to land, you know, and and those guys that I hear coaches say this all the time, and you know, oh, I'm out on this guy, I'm out on that guy well, that's not your job to be out on a guy your your job is you know find a way to communicate with that guy, and he's not gonna receive it unless he knows you love him man and and that's the truth and you know um those conversations aren't all limited to baseball, body language and championship behaviors but You know, there's some of those are academic, um, you know, some of those are social conversations with these guys. Some of those are, you know, I'm hearing some stuff conversations with guys, um, you know. But again, if you're if you're in a spot. And they're not, you know, surrounded by their peers and and, uh, super self-conscious, they have a tendency to own it pretty quickly and, and learn from it and move on. I like that, Kevin, I'll pass it on to you. No, fantastic
1: stuff. I think this is a, um, this is a lesson in coaching in life too, as well. Uh, first, first, and also Dave, you know, his, Dave's team, uh, IMG this year was, I think 25 and zero. did a piece a few weeks ago on them. Um, and what I love about obviously, you know, I love to win. We all love to win, but I love the way they, they coach there. And, um, it, you know, no, no cheat cards, um, uh, the game is. You can tell from what Dave is saying how the game is taught, and that's very important. Just and and before before I ask the question, I also want to brag on Dave a little bit. You know, he he had a chance to go back to to uh, major league organizations. You know, um, they they want his ability. You can see why they would want him. Uh, and baseball is in a bad place right now. Major League Baseball. I mean, I just read something. Um, and saw something, you know, Verdugo was benched. And part of the problems of media, it was actually phrased this way, guys. It was uh, Verdugo was benched because it was perce- perceived he was not running hard. Well, you're the media. You're watching. You can see it. I used to call out guys left and right if they weren't hustling. So let's yeah. go. You know, the media needs to step up, too, here, by the way. Uh, absolutely. Front offices need to step up. Coaching needs to step up. My question to you, Dave, is – is um, you got to see everything, but you got to pick your spots, and I think that's what great coaches do.
2: Yeah, I, you know, look, as a young coach, you know, I thought good coaching was correcting twenty four seven, and it, and it's not. You know, um, you know, I, I've told coaches, you know, in, in meetings, you know, when we're talking, look you know, mature coaches can walk away from a bad swing, a bad delivery and be okay with it and, and know when the timing is right. And so if you're gonna, if you're gonna be coaching up every single mistake, you're creating a guy that, first of all, you're coaching the caution into him, and then you're making them really self-conscious about the wrong stuff. Right. And, you know, again, and I know there's some hitting and pitching guys that'll be electrocuted by what I'm about to say, but, and then there's these body movement guys, which, you know, they have a place and a value. I, I don't want to diminish people and, and what they do, but cause I, I, I made these mistakes and that, and that's why I'm saying them is, you know, if, if you saw a picture of me when I was 12 and I, I still have, you know, a scrapbook. From when I was 12 that my mom kept and there's a picture of me, you know, delivering a pitch. And then when I'm 33, there's another I have, a, you know, with these old baseball cards that we have and stuff like that. It's the same exact move, wow. you know, and I bet if you did that with every player, you watch Mike Trout swing at a freshman in high school. It's the same move, same path. You know, and so guys, if they don't know how a guy moves and that's his move and they think that they're going to revamp and start pecking away to create this sw- ideal swing that they have in their head. You know, a mature coach understands that every guy moves different, delivers a ball different and swings different, different playing, different move. And so the key is not to find the flaws in the swing is to find the swing in the flaws, you know, and I think (laughs) if you're gonna, if you're gonna, that's a, a, Dan Quisenberry was, he came up with that a long time ago. But, um, if you're going to be able to, if you're going to start chipping away, um, and making these micro corrections all the time, you're creating a real self-conscious guy. Um, he's focused on, you know, a mechanic instead of hitting, he's focused on his swinging 24 seven and how does it look and, you know, and that's not where I want my guys. I want them to play free and I want them to be the best version of them. Not what I think a good swinger delivery looks like. It just, it's, it's not how it works. No, that's, that's, that um, that's,
1: that's just tremendous uh, advice right there. And that's my problem with the major league and the minor
2: league game now. Um, do, well, do that you, guy for St. Louis who just got sent down. Yeah. Um, and they said, we want him to improve his, his, uh, launch angle. Yeah. They were, well, he wanted more fly balls or pull, pull, get more balls, you know, in the air. And he went down and stood his ground. He was like, this is my move. This is how I hit. And so I think the danger of that too is, and again, you guys know this and because you, 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 you've been through it when someone takes you and you're an established, you know, guy like this kid, right. All of a sudden they take you and they're going to do this big thing in season, by the way, which is that's like holy cow! And you're changing his uh, his personality uh, because you're changing his confidence. And the number one performance enhancer in this game is confidence, you know. And, and so, line. do yeah, you great. want do you want him? Uh, do you want his personality changed and his confidence changed? You know, so you, we're we're confident. We're in the business of building confidence, not not taking it down, particularly, I mean, mid season, I, I just, I was a little bit taken aback by that move. And, and um, I just have so much respect for the kid who had enough confidence in himself to say, you know, that's how I hit, you know, from, I, 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 you, my, my spray chart is gap to gap or it's line to line, whatever. This is how I hit. And all of a sudden, you know, you start changing his approach and is trying to change his swing path, I, you know, but by the way, it takes a long time to reprogram that computer of someone's mind and body. And, and, and I just, I was, I was a little taken aback, but I was so impressed by the young guy to stand his ground and, and say, this is how I hit. And it's not to say I'm not open to coaching, but this is my move. This is how I hit. I want to refine this. I don't want to wholesale change this thing. I'm hitting 280 in the big leagues. I mean, what's? I don't get it, right? So you're messing with the the, the whole the whole uh, mental side of things too when when you're doing those things. So I always tell coaches, look, you you want to make those moves, better be at the right time, um, you know, because it's his career, not yours, and you're trying to help him perform, and don't forget what it's like, um, you know to be there because, you know, a young, young player who doesn't have a ton of confidence probably think, well, I'm not, you don't think I'm good. I mean, why, why do I have to make all these changes? You know, whatever, whatever that looks like, um, it, it can become tough, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's, it's coaching and, and I think timing and, and, you know, what you're doing with a player is critical and, you know, talk about in season and out of season. Those are two different approaches by coaches too. You know,
1: absolutely, and, and and you know, you're talking about Jordan Walker from, from the Cardinals, and I know some people know him well, and they say he's a great kid, and I think he proved it with that comment. And my, again, I'm, not, I'm we're not here to just slam the nerds, but they could be, they deserve to be slammed in my book because they have ruined the game, and, uh, and, and 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 I'm just, uh, I've had enough. But the thing that drives me nuts is when I see a guy run to the iPad, try to change things. And then the guy who's changing his swing is some guy who was the team manager, maybe on uh, an Ivy league school, you know, you couldn't hit a whiffle ball. So, so yeah. that's my two cents there. I'm not going to put that words in your mouth, but I think people are getting a sense of how you coach and how you treat the kids and how you respect the kids. And you, you know, you respect the rep, but you also respect the kids and you want the kids to respect the game. And I think, when we cut through everything, that's, I think, what it's all about. Just respect the game. It's always been there.
2: Respect the game. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly, uh, you know, agree 100%. And, you know, I think, too, you know, uh, part of this process, and I, I try to get these guys and I send, I send out, you know, and I use tech. I don't fight it. I use tech and, and uh, WhatsApp and all that stuff if I can reach a kid with WhatsApp and, and show them video, then so who cares? You know, it's exactly, it's the same. they they all want, you know, the kids need structure and they, they crave discipline and structure. They just don't even know it. But part of the respect thing, I think when you know the beautiful thing about baseball, you know, for me is it's you're, you're part of this thing that's so much bigger than yourself. The history of this game is absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, growing up, you know, I, I was I was obsessed with it. I had older brothers that played in things, and I was obsessed with, um, you know, who came before me and knowing all that history. And I just think that some of the respect comes from knowing the history of the game, which um, has been removed in terms of they don't talk about it. You know, I mean, I, I always have to say, hey, you know, you remind me of Dwight Evans the way you throw the ball from right field, and they're like, huh? And, you know, like, and I'll say, Google him or, you know, I'll send him a video of Dwight Evans in his hand cannon from right field and say, you remind me of that guy. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. You know? And, um, but the history of the game creates respect to, um, you know, no one who came before you, you know, Kurt flood, um, you know, all, all, all of that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, I mean, guys that, you know, we're talking about, in a very simple way we're talking about launch angle and contact points back in the, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, you know, it's not, these aren't new concepts, Um, you know, but yeah, I, I, it goes deep. And like I said, I mean, um, you know, the teaching opportunities here are great. Um, I think it's really cool when you get guys sending you stuff on uh, the history of the game of players that you were trying to turn them on to in the history of the game. And all of a sudden, you know they're sending you stuff, coach. You know Tony Gwynn had more four hit games and two strikeout two two uh, strikeouts in a game in his career. And, you know just different things and and awareness and and I'm like, yeah, fellas, we're part of a special fraternity playing in this game. And if you get the opportunity to play this thing for a living, it becomes even more special. Um, you know because the history is deep, it's rich, um, and you know it's it's something I think everyone should should understand.
1: Well, you know, I was there for a lot of Tony games and uh, multiple, you know, so many conversations with him through the years. It's funny because uh, the beginning of last year, I was on a couple shows. I might have been Dibble Show or somewhere else. And I wrote a column as well. But, you know, so, someone asked me, who, you know, who's going to really break out? And I said, well, you know, I said to me, Lewis Arise reminds me of Tony Gwynn to some degree. And look what he's doing, you know hitting nearly 400 and doing it the old, old fashioned way. You know, it's, uh, he, what's his, his launch angle, maybe 10, 10 degrees, you know? So yeah. I think what happens here is we really cut through all the BS. They change the terminology because they want to control. It comes back to power. I love your terminologies and I want to get into some of those right now um, because it gives the player the, the, the ability to make himself better. I just want to throw a couple of your things at you, but you know, like, just explain control
2: the count on the pitching side. Yeah, well, I mean you control counts on the hitting side too, but particularly with our pitchers, um, you know. And, and we all we have all the bells and whistles here. And I, you know, again, I mean, I have to tell coaches, hey, man, you know, we have to teach the art of pitching, and so there's a general way of doing that. And then there's specific ways of doing that. General way, you know, speeding them up, slowing them down, controlling counts, 0 oh, and 1-1. You know, if we need to be oh one, one If we're not 0-1, we got to get to 1-1 and get to 1-2 because you're pitching against a guy with a significantly lower batting average now. So and, you're telling them to throw strikes. attack <laughs> uh, the zone Yep. instead of trying to miss bats, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're attacking barrels, not trying to miss them. And so when you get – when you're mixing and moving – and in controlling those counts, well, then you're going to have a chance to put some hitters away too. If in, in taking a shot at that, um, you know, but controlling 0-0 and 1-1 on the mound and controlling counts is is a great way to have success. Uh, you're going to be in a lot of games, and and you know you're going to get a lot of weak contact, and you're even going to get some guys, you know, going out of the zone on you because they're different dude when they're behind in the count. Great and-
1: point. Great point. You know,
2: and so um, you know if if you focus on on that as opposed to you know spin rate, vert, and all those things, and you know what is it? What is he doing? Well, you know his first pitch strike percentage is really low, or his first pitch strike percentage is is pretty high, um, but one one he's getting a two one a lot, and then he's getting crushed, and so controlling counts is something that I mean, that's a basic tenet of pitching the other thing about pitching now once you talk about general things is specifically you know what are his weapons well now how's he going to control counts with his weapons and so he might be a guy that needs to be able to throw a 1-0 soft pitch for a strike as opposed to he doesn't have a power heater and you know once we get back in the count okay now you're in there again now you can make a pitch and and you got him but look it it's The teaching, you know, the art of getting hitters out is, I think, should be the biggest focus there is. And then how with his particular weapons, each individual guy, you know, um, teaching him what to throw in certain counts and then teaching him what to throw in certain counts based off the scoreboard. And, um, you know, and who in that lineup who's not beating us today? All right. What's the score? What's the inning? That's all about the art of pitching, um, you know, and again, that's not that's not a one time conversation. That is that's daily, you know, and then, you know, and then then they start seeing, you know, well, what's a shutdown inning? And we we have guys that never heard of that term before. And I said, well, look, when we score a, a run or a crooked number, whatever it is, we need a zero after that. A shutdown inning is critical, keeping that momentum back in our dugout. And and so, you know, we keep track of shut down innings um, and I make an post games to to talk about that stuff, you know, um, you know, and closing out that first hitter every inning and getting that leading lady. I mean, it takes away a lot of options on the, the other team's offense. But, you know, the, these things are uh, very basic, fundamental stuff, but you know, when you do those things, you're going to have a lot of success at the highest levels.
1: Well, you're not reinventing the wheel and you're, and, and I think that's what you're trying to do too. And now, because you had the ability, I mean, you you're a rare professional pitcher hitter. Um, how do you control account as a hitter?
2: And so I think so too is, you know, we talk about having mature at bats, right. And, you know, um, and, getting getting a good pitch to hit, right? And c- being able to control the counts um, and not being in such a rush to hit, but getting a good pitch to hit. Um, you know, Ted Williams, rule number one, and Get a good pitch. Um, and, well, we talked to guys about having a two-strike approach, and if they feel confident hitting with two strikes, they're not going to be in such a rush to jump on stuff early in the count. And... You know, being aggressive and being a mature hitter, meaning if the guy's going to come at me, oh oh, with fat cookie fastballs, we're going to be ready to bang. Um, and I think if a pitcher knows that, and then all of a sudden he said, "Well, I just can't lay it in there, oh oh," and if we're a mature, you know, hitter, we're going to be a lot of one oh counts um, because of our our smarts and our aggression at the same time. And so we can control those things and we can start flipping counts in the box, just being ready to hit, but being ready to hit a good pitch. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, That's, that's, that's the key. And the, the other thing, and again, this is where we're so lucky to have you here. And I think people are going to learn so much when you control the count too, sometimes you have, if you see a pitcher, especially at the youth level and high school level, you know, they're pitching you away a lot. So what is your approach there when you see so – I would imagine your guys, too. I, I don't know how many are getting challenged because they're such great hitters. But when you see a guy pitching away, what should your approach be?
2: So, you know, our, a lot of our training and practice is, is geared to, you know, you know, working out over the plate, middle, out, over, you know, in that outer third to the fat part of the plate. Like if you took a basketball and you stuck it in the middle of a plate, that's a good area to look right when, when you, when, you know, obviously, and, and, um, you know, I think that the whole thing with, um, you know, young hitters and and our training, you know, we work a lot of situational stuff. And so they have, they're not take it's all con- those are controlled swings and really moving the ball around the field, controlled bat to ball skills and execution. Um, but we, talk about approach every single day. Every cage routine is done with the approach. We are working inside the baseball, Um, you know, and, you know, if you want to talk about good hitters, most good hitters couldn't pull the ball till they learn how, you know, you talk about Jeter, Donnie Mattingly. I talked about guys that coached him through the system. They said, you know, they weren't concerned about that. They were concerned about, you know, staying in the middle of the field other way uh, because the bulk of what they see is that, you know, and, and I don't know how many guys, particularly at this level can dot you up three times, you know, on the inside corner. But again, if, if you don't know how to work inside the baseball, you're not going to keep that ball fair anyway. Right. And so we work on working inside the baseball and hitting two irons to the big part of the field. And again, what, what we talk about in, and train and demand every day, they get better and better at it and their performance gets better and better. And the byproduct of working that way is you start seeing spin better because you're letting the ball travel a little more and you're seeing a little deeper in the zone. And so if you have good spin recognition, and, you know, you, you can stay on the hanger. Right. And, and, uh, but if it's, if it's not that, that approach you're not going to see spin fastballs that are out over and maybe on the outer third, real good hittable pitches are going to look away to you. And, um, you know, guys just, they don't see better, but the approach and focus of the training is big with having them get that piece.
1: Well, the, uh, I'm I'm glad you brought this up and, uh, you know, I may run over here a little bit, but there's some real baseball things I want to teach the audience. Um, the, um, the ball out over the plate that's up, you know, like you you just described it perfectly. It may look, you know, like it's away. Those are the easiest ones to drive the other way. It kills me when I go watch games and, and they take that pitch when it's already there. The pitchers put it on TV. It's not low and down. You know, it's not low and down when you can't get it. It's it's right. It's where you want it. So So let's learn to swing at that
2: pitch and drive it the other way. Yeah, it's a do damage pitch, you know, and, and again, the shortest distance to the barrel, you take that pitch you're talking about versus the ball that's, you know, on the, you know, in or in, in, but on the plate, you know, it's a longer, you got to click that one further out front and you, you know, and you really, it, it's less time. And so the ball out over, you know, it's a shorter distance to the barrel. I mean, I used to talk, I had pitching coaches tell me, man, you know, o2 pitch or you're up and it's a fastball up and in away that's the most dangerous pitch there is in base and you know in baseball it's a short distance that, and they're in hit mode with two strikes so you better make a pitch and it better be down you know or in, in that in that case but yeah I mean it's and again we've we've I tell these guys all the time there's so, there's a lot of hits out there. But if you're going to limit yourself to being a pull lift approach, you are. It's going to be a shorter career, um, and and it's going to be a lot of left hand turns back to dugout, you know. And and that's the truth. That is the truth, and I, I think that message needs to get out there. And
1: and uh, and and when it's successful, they still don't want to do it. So it's it's really funny. But you know, I I've, I've been lucky too, seeing some good coaching with my grandkids and things like that, and uh, that that makes a difference. And the other point I wanted to make real quick was that this stuff you're talking about right now this is what you're talking about when the players when you you talk about them being in the dugout paying attention instead of worrying about, you
2: know, a home run celebration this is the stuff you want them looking at, right? No doubt. No doubt. And, and just watching the game, you know, you know, watch the pitcher, watch the game and 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 then, you know, I coach from the third base box and I'm always, you know, I, at home anyway, I'm in the first base box because, you know, I'm, I'm still bringing awareness to the, to the hitters who are watching about what's going on, what just happened. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. And it's awesome when you see the light bulbs go on and, and have guys perform how they want to perform and, 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 um, you know, it's, uh, there's no, it's, there's no limit to how good they can become if they just refine those things, you know, and, and uh, we had some, we had some interesting guys in, in the room and um, we had extreme buy-in um, and it was, it was cool. That's all I can tell you. No, I think I it can't, be, it can't be cooler than 25 and 0 with the top schedule in the country. So <laughs> I think that oh, that's. that's- that makes it that inspired cool. all of all of us. I gotta tell you, the the messaging from the beginning in terms of team is that if you guys want to achieve you know a, a goal as a team, I said it's gonna take all of all of us, it's gonna take every single guy in this room doing their job. And and it did. And and literally did. And that includes our coaching staff um, and support staff and 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 all of that. Um, it's it's not just you know me as the head coach. It, it requires all of all of us, and it requires buy-in, and and those kids did, and our coaches did, and and we had, um, we had you know different hero every game, man, and we beat guys differently all the time with small ball. We banged a little bit some days, uh, you know. We always caught it, um, and we pitched it pretty consistently, uh, but offensively. You know, you have a lot of different ways to beat teams, and, and they understood it. That, that's great. And a couple more before uh,
1: before I uh, flip it back to Dave. But, this, again, these are very important to me because um, it's not being done anywhere like it should be done. That's why you run such a great program. The, uh, t- tell us about what you do with your catcher as opposed to when I turn on any game in the majors, college, anything, Uh, you know, I see catchers. Catchers are really good at looking in the dugout or receiving something in their ear,
2: Um, uh, but they're not really good at calling games. Tell us what you do with your catchers. So we, and I was fortunate. I had two, uh, two good catchers, two good athletes as well. Um, One going to Louisville and then one going to East, uh, East Carolina and, Um, but you know, they hadn't called really anything before. And, um, you know, we, we turned over the keys to the car. I told them I said, look, I I got a set of keys over here too. I mean, I can, I can take over the wheel if you need it, but Stevie, my pitching coach, Steve Fry, um, you know, would have a real simple game plan, pitcher, catcher, and, um, and they would go out there to the best of their ability and, and execute, um, based off of you know who was our guy throwing that day. These, this is how we're going to attack. This is who you know we're not going to let beat us. Um, this situation you know just kind of walking through it in a really simple, basic way. And so if that goes sideways and the pitch calling goes sideways, you know Stevie Stevie could take it over for a few pitches, turn it back over, or um, if the catcher is cruising and with the pitcher and they got a good battle rhythm going. Um, then there are times and, and this happens at the highest level where the game can get fast and he doesn't know what fingers to throw down. And so take a peek at Stevie and he's locked in, um, you know, and, and he'll give him the option, um, you know, to go, you know, and in our pitchers, they have carte blanche. If they don't want to throw a pitch, um, they shake and go to their pitch, you know, because it's between him and the catcher, but, we're always teaching off it and, and, you know, having them, you know, understand the lineup and the scoreboard and counts. Sounds like they're learning.
1: <laughs> that's what
2: it's yeah. about. I, you know, I, that's somehow that's been lost.
1: I think these, 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 catch, your catchers know how, you know, by the end of it, they know, you know, they know how to call the game.
2: Yeah. and then, you know, helping a manage a guy without his best stuff or he's not, he doesn't have a second pitch or, you know, how to figure out how to get him through an inning, get him to the fifth and, save our pen and, and, you know, manage the game and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, we, you know, uh, you set the bar higher, you know, for kids, they'll meet wherever, wherever you put the bar. And these kids are smart, man. They're not, you know, they're smart. They just don't know. And, and we're here to teach them, but the speed at which they learn when you allow it to happen is really remarkable and they'll surprise you. And sometimes they have, you know, bad answers. Other times They've got really good answers as to why you know this is why I call that and this and that and and you're going well that's good. I like that. yeah it's and fantastic I have that option but um, but yeah we we set the bar and they'll meet it. Uh, they'll exceed it you know and, and they will because they're, they're smart.
1: And I want to get to a point too because it's never talked about and I know you you were very good about this, but I think it's the new steroid. I've been saying this for five years. And now they had to change the rules to make it this way. But what do you teach base running wise that that makes it you know that makes base running so important? I think it's the it's it's the lost part
2: of the game. Nobody knows how to run bases anymore. I tell you, you uh, the pressure and running the bases with aggression and smarts, and then you know putting pressure um, you know on their defense and on the guy on the mound is uh, is it's it's amazing, and you can dismantle dismantle teams with, you know, two base advances, um, and yeah. how you run the bases and, um, you know, backside tag ups and, and you're constantly operating with runners in scoring position. Um, but you know, our guys run with their eyes up, but we train it all the time and we do it at game speed. And, uh, um, you know, th- you know, just the art of advancing on balls to the left side of the infield is a concept we work on. And, um, you know, advancing on, you know, a backside first and second scenarios, no out, one out tags is something that is it's in every game, almost in every inning. It depends on the night. But, you know, backside runners are, you know, they got to know what they're doing. And so does that lead guy. Um, but we really took advantage um, of other teams on the bases, uh, not just with speed, but with with how we ran them. Um, and, and it was fun because, you know, now, I mean, shoot, if that stuff's happening with one out, you know, now our two out RBIs aren't one, they're two and, and, and just it's demoralizing for the opposition when you're running the bases that way. And, and, um, I I put a really high value on it. We work on it all the time. And, oh, so you just don't show them an iPad, you work on it. Yeah. And the other thing too, you know, I mean, I've heard this one too, man. I told him, I, I told him like five times, he's got a tag on that ball. Yeah. But you know, it's hard if he's never really experienced that, you know um, you know, what balls do I tag? At? If I don't experience something, it's really tough to know it. Um, and so, you know, it's like when they're out in the game um, they've been there uh, they've been in those situations and, and they just react. Um, with, with anticipation as opposed to just reacting. And I think, you know, base running again, I mean, they don't place a value on RBIs as much on batting average as much on, on base running as much. It's like last I checked, it's um, really good to be a runner on third and less than two outs or second and third with one or two outs. So um, I, for me, it's, it's invaluable to scoring runs and applying pressure and having the guy on the mound make mistakes because he's surrounded all the time and you know he, he's 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 you know distracted by it all, you know. So yeah, the, the base running aspect is huge. I love base running, I love defense, you know. Um, but the base running piece, you know, and then you know, guys in the dugout, you start, you know, hearing them talk about, you know, going first to third in the left fielder's face, you know first, the third in the center fielder's face because guys don't do it. And our guys in the dugout talking about that was in his face, you know, and I mean, they're, <laughs> they're all on it, yeah. You know? and, you know, it fires me up, you know, cause that's championship baseball. And so, um, and they, they love it, man. And they love seeing me get fired up about it.
1: Well, and, and, and something is simple and it's not simple. I, I hate to use the word, but something as simple as a sacrifice fly
2: brings the team together no question. You know, he just executed and he did, executed situationally and you know, I tell him I said fellas, you know, and we've scored runs without getting a hit, moving them over and getting them in and those kinds of things and um and I, I say fellas, you know, you can come out and bang someday. Sometimes you are just going to beat guys with paper cuts. But that's uh, fine. I like that. Yeah. And you know, how you do it doesn't matter, but that's championship baseball and being able to push him across without banging too and bunning guys and executing sacrifice bunts and safety squeezes and you know all those things are really awesome I, I tell you what I been I was watching a lot of this college stuff and there's I've seen a ton of sacrifice bunts. I saw a team do it with two strikes didn't execute but that's how that's how important he, you know the manager wanted to get this thing done. And add on. He wanted to tack on some runs, right? And 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 didn't execute. But um, you know, safety is something that um, I think you know not a lot of people talk about it, but it's an, it's a great play to get ahead, score first, add on, tack on, middle middle of the game, early in the game, late in the game. So you know, um, you know, and then just manage the game. I mean, you know, what's what's happening in the box? I mean, this guy is shoving it. You know, honest for five innings, we're not going to sit back and wait for a bomb. And, you know, what's the game telling you? But if you can't play that small ball when you need to, that's tough. Exactly. You
1: can't turn on the faucet, as they say. And my good friend Jack McKean, many, many years ago, says it all the time. If if I get one run, they got to get two. If I get two, the, the 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 value of tack on runs. If I get three, they got to get four. No so, doubt. Uh, you know. That that aspect of the game has been lost. I, I have two more. Uh, this one first, because um, you can take this any way you want. But it, 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 I people say it all the time. But what does it mean? Trust, trust your eyes. Trust their eyes. What what,
2: what do you want them to do? So I tell them that on the on the bases, uh, you know, about running with their eyes up, you know, and then more importantly on defense in our in our positioning of them reading swings and trusting their eyes. Right. And so we, we do have starting points for our positioning on defense, right? Stone Russell senior shortstop, also the best, you know, baseball player on our team complete in all phases is a really fundamentally sound guy, but he was, he was my general in, in, in the infield with positioning and, you know, creating switches and coverage in the middle and all that stuff. Um, Uh, But you know, I had him for you know two years, and and he he learned how to trust his eyes and 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 position those guys accordingly, you know. And I I think the more you allow a player to watch the game, read what's going on, and trust it, they just get so confident, and and their belief just becomes awesome, you know. And I want to tell you that there were some uh, a couple of times where and again who how they know they see better you know i'm my perspective is from the dugout you miss you i don't know how much the pitcher is missing by or where stuff is going or, you know, i can't you can't see but when they're in the middle of the field they can really see what's happening between the hitter and the and the uh, pitcher and so you teach them and you know you teach them during bp and uh, where they're doing leans and reads and bp and all that stuff and uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome to watch them get it and trust, you know. What you're seeing is right. Trust it. That's, that's, that's so well said. And, and finally, and you, and
1: you mentioned, and these guys are great, your coaching staff, but I wanted to, Roger Cedeno, uh, uh, having him teaching uh, outfield base running, all that stuff,
2: what's it, what's it mean to have, uh, you know, a guy like that teaching these kids something? So Roger, so one of the most humble guys I've ever met in the game, um, has a passion for kids, passion for the game. Uh, he loves loves on these guys so much. It's awesome. But um, what he did with our outfielders uh, in particular, uh, we want to talk about positioning and teaching them from the ground up. Um, positioning, you know, and, and then, you know, uh, two outs, nobody on or – tie and run in the last innings up the play, keep them off second base. This ball's going to second base. The IQ piece of where we're directing the ball uh, was huge. The positioning piece uh, of our outfielders was huge. Uh, that was another competitive advantage we had. Well, let, let me interrupt real quick because I was driving home
1: last night and the Yankees lost a game to the Red Sox because the outfielder made a casual flip to second base on a single to left and the second baseman decided not to chase the ball. I don't know what he did. And it allowed uh, Kiki Hernandez to get the second. And he eventually, uh, you know, scored the tying run. And then they lost. In the wow.
2: Yeah, that's just uh, fundamental baseball right there. But Raj, Roger was, he was unbelievable in that. And, you know, getting those guys out there early and, 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 and working through all that stuff. You know, even... You know, I would tell Raj, you know, hey, this potential pinch hitter late, this guy, this guy, whatever. Well, he, you know, he would have those guys prepared to pinch hit. And, you know, he's done it. And, and you know, how many times my pinch hitters came through or gave us a quality of bat off the bench that way? Raj had him ready to, to have that quality of bat. I mean, that's, you can't even put a price tag on that you know that's that's
1: that's that's baseball gold right there
2: oh it's amazing he
1: was amazing absolutely finally and i'll flip it back to dave but this is this uh let everybody know when i spoke to you recently for my ball nine article we uh i think you you were in the room with roger and i asked roger uh i asked you and you got the answer but how many bases would Roger Cedeno steal with the uh, the new rules, where you basically can
2: uh, you're gifted second base? He 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 estimates it about a hundred for a hundred. A <laughs> hundred for a hundred.
1: There you have it, folks. So, uh, and I believe it too. I believe it too because I, I that's, covered Roger and the two one. of us. Yeah, and uh, it, it's unbelievable to me that teams aren't stealing like. 10 bases a night with any, oh. any quality runner. You don't even have to be fast anymore, but no. I think, uh, we, we went A to Z here with a lot of things and, uh, we ran over it, but this is, uh, this is, uh, the only uh, place where you can get this kind of information. And, and, uh, I'm sure people and coaches, this is a, this is a tutorial and, uh, thanks for the time, Dave. And I'll, I'll let, uh, the other Dave finish
2: up. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate you, brother.
0: Yeah. I ran out of ink and paper writing notes down here, Dave. So this is good for everybody, including me. I like getting smarter when we have guests on brag on some of your players. You mentioned stone, but brag on some of your players a little bit. Who's going, where, who should we look for in the draft coming up? And then I'll flip it back to Kevin. I want him to ask our special question at the end to you too.
2: So we got, um, four guys that, that could get popped in that draft, you know, on what days, you know, who knows, um, but Zion Rose, who's a Louisville commit, he he caught, played right field, DH. I tried to save his legs, but you know he's going to Louisville. He's a dynamic athlete, offensive type player. Um, you know, um, it might it might be a position switch down the line just to, you know, a la Craig Biggio, who really ran and and they didn't want to destroy his speed, so they moved him. Zion's a guy that could do a similar thing, um, bounce out to the outfield and be, you know, a lockdown defender out there as well, um, just to kind of save his speed. But um he he was awesome, but his best quality, in my opinion, was um uh, his his leadership ability. Um, just a natural born leader, um, zero, just a hundred percent substance to this young guy. Um Tayshawn Walton, my starting left fielder, who he's probably a quarter of a step slower than uh, Elijah green who went in the first round last year, but six two two thirty, And he, he flies. I mean, he, he literally uh, he's, he is, is something wide. I mean, it's NFL like type body and the way he moves is remarkable and and has really improved on defense and base running more than anything, but he has the hit tool. Um, There's power in there as well. That's going to come. Um, but he, uh, he's awesome. Um, stone, obviously I mentioned earlier, he was my shortstop. And I think when he's done playing, you know, whatever level it is, you know, big leagues, but he reminds me of a, a, a young Lemayhu in that he's just a, a winning baseball player in, in all facets <clears throat> and his dad, big league manager played in the big leagues and all that. But You know, so Stone's growing up around the game, his IQ off the charts. He'll manage it someday uh, whenever that ends. And um, we have uh, Cam Johnson, who's a left-handed pitcher. Um, And it's, you know, it's 98 with sink from the left side when it's right. And it's going to be something. I mean, he could go really high. We didn't have him for the last five weeks of the season. Um, but you know he's healthy again. Um, but he's going to go high as well. But those four guys probably going to go pretty good somewhere in there. And I don't know which day. Uh, uh, it's three days. How many rounds is there? Twenty now or twenty? Yeah, let's say James again. Back, I think. yeah. So, um, but those guys, you know, I mean, they were they were seniors. They were leaders. Um, they performed. They did. They pulled their weight and then some. You know, uh, because the add value stuff that I talked about, um, you know, putting out fires that never got to me, um, you know, and just leading, uh, by example, but also holding, you know, their teammates accountable. It was pretty awesome to watch them grow, um, you know, and, and play free, you know? So I, I, you know, and when I talk about those guys with scouts, you know, it's like, um, you know, you're so emotionally invested in them and you love them so much that, you know, I'm thinking, geez, you know, am I over, am I over-evaluating? I don't know. Maybe I am, but, uh, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, uh, but I see them for, you know, who they are, not just as a player, but as people. And I think they're, they're all add value guys, whoever pops them in the draft and they're not going to regret it. So those are, those are my, those seniors that were doing that. And we had, you know, we had a bunch of guys to, uh, um, that just they all they were all uh they were all in, man, and they all they all did their jobs, and and it wasn't always pretty. I know the title of that article that you wrote, Kevin, which was awesome. Well, perfection, it was not there's nothing perfect about a 25 and 0 season other than the 25 and 0. I mean, there's a exactly, lot of, exactly, exactly, a lot of stuff that goes along and fires to put out, and um, you know, emotional baggage to deal with, and and um. Uh, you know, all that stuff. But they did, and, you know, and they performed with all – and, you know, they didn't get that senioritis, draftitis stuff, which is easy to easy to get, you know. But they were humble and hungry, man, and, and you know, I, I wish those guys the best. And I miss them. I miss miss my guys, you know. I mean, when you're managing you go through all this stuff, it's – my wife will tell you, I'm, like, walking around like a lost puppy for two weeks because I don't have my club, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> –
0: well, so, teams, teams, teams seem to take the personality of their leader. So you've been very humble in the interview. So uh, we're going to pump you in that regard. Uh, it's, it's obvious to it'll be obvious to our audience, too. We have a very smart audience. And I think what you gave them today is just tremendous. We can't thank you enough for it. I want to pass it back to Kevin. He asked a special question to our guest. And this started after your first appearance. So I'm anxious to hear your answer to this uh-oh. simple question in nature, but it's it's deep.
1: Yeah, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot, <clears throat> put you on the spot here. And again, uh, we're with Dave Turgeon, National Team Head Coach at IMG. So, um, you know, his experience is off the charts on all levels of baseball. So this is a simple question. You answer it any way you want. You know, it doesn't have to be a long answer. It could be a short answer. It could be whatever you want. Think about it for a second. You don't have to rush to it. It's like, you know, you're up at the plate. Uh, you're not just jumping at the first pitch. So think about the sec for a second, but, uh, real simple question. What does it mean to be a ball player? So to Dave Turgeon, what does it mean to be a ball
2: player? Well, for me, you know, that, that has kind of evolved. Um, you know, growing up, I just wanted to emulate my older brothers and some of the guys I saw on TV, um, you know, and then as as the career kind of goes on and develops, you know, it, it you know it then it becomes more about, well, you know, how can I advance and, and you become kind of uh obsessed with you know all facets of the game and getting to a place where, you know, I, I want this dream to be realized and I, I want to move on and play this thing for a living. And and you know, being a ball player at that point meant a lot of sacrifice you know and and you know um foregoing you know social opportunities uh maybe even family opportunities vacation opportunities to work on the trade you know and 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 try to to realize that dream and so you become obsessed and and, uh committed to that and i think later um, you know, when when you get established and, you know, you're actually making a living, it becomes more about your teammates um, and playing for others in the room beside yourself, you know, and, 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 you know, seeking their respect by doing your job. It was always so important. And so it kind of evolves, you know, and, 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 and meaning and, you know, late. Um, you know, you, when you realize you're in the fourth quarter of your career, it really has different meaning and and playing for a ring and, and it becomes really important. The team, it, it becomes, you know, the number one thing. And so your work is driven by, I don't want to let my teammates down. I want to, I want to pull my weight. I want, I want to, you know, have my name on that ring means something and, and be a part of that championship thing. And, and, um, you know, it ends up being when you're done is what you miss is your, you know, your, your teammates. Um, and you know, being a ball player, you know, you realize, man, I'm, I'm part of a really cool fraternity. Um, and your own personal fraternity, those guys are in your inner circle for life. Um, you know, I, I have teammates that I talk too frequently. I have others that have reached out. it may be four or five, ten years, fifteen have reached out, and it's like you never left um, and it becomes so meaningful um, you know as you evolve as a player, but as a man and you know you have wife and and family and all those things. but I think that's kind of the evolution you know I took as a as a player, you know, and uh thinking back on it, it's pretty cool to reflect. Um, you know, um, you know, it go, you go from basically, you know, you're in this me monster mode to, man, this is awesome to be a part of a team pursuing a goal. And, um, I don't know. I I just think it's important lesson in life, you know, and, and that's, I guess, I guess that's like a, a 10 cent version of, of what that means to me.
1: Oh, that's perfect.
0: I like it. And, uh, Dave, thanks so much for your time today, and Kevin, thanks for bringing out in our guests, which you always do with your great questions, and um, that's why you're America's most beloved sports writer. Uh, To our audience, we appreciate your support. Almost 19,000 subscribers now, 72 countries, grassroots, MLB front offices. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us battle the podcast world analytics, much like we do in baseball. Hey, let's get to 20,000 people. Let's go. That's right. Start, start uh, jacking this up. Everybody that subscribes, pass it to a friend today. Get them to subscribe also. Um, all we're trying to do here is build a better baseball IQ. We think we got the ears of the right people. Uh, but as our audience always reminds me to read here, make sure as you listen to this and you pass it on, prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truths about baseball because this program and this, ep- this show in particular has no time for the comforting lies that are being put out there. Dave Turgeon, thanks so much for your time today. Make sure we support Kevin Kernan on Ball Nine as well. Great guys over Those are our brothers in arms right there. So pr- support them as well. But guys, thanks for a great show today. Episode 202 in the books. Right.
2: Thank you, guys.